Welcome, everybody, to the Robert John and the Rec podcast. We are a five-piece rock and roll band from Orange County, California, that travels to the world, eating local foods, drinking local drinks, and melting faces. I'm Steve. I'm Warren. And I'm Andrew. I was wondering how that was going to go down. <laughs> I was like, do I count as the second one? Yeah. <laughs> and this is episode number 105, everybody. Uh, Henry and Robert are both off tonight. Robert is out on his honey slash baby moon in Hawaii, and uh, Henry is out in the great state of Maine visiting family. Yeah, and I'm actually out of town right now, too. I'm up in uh, Palo Alto at my, at my parents' place, getting in some family time before we leave for a tour, so, which is coming up next week. It's insane. Is it's it next cool. week? No way. Yeah, it's <laughs> next, next Thursday we leave. Are you serious? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> it's been a, it's going to be a week. Yeah. It's going to be my birthday this week. <laughs> Your birthday's Thursday, right? Wednesday. Uh, it's Wednesday. Wednesday. And then yours is on Tuesday, Tuesday. next week? Yep. Tuesday. You get to spend my week and my birthday in rehearsal. Moving. It's be great. Hell yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of weeks, what have you guys been doing since we haven't had too much stuff going on because the, most of the guys are out of town. Steve, how was your week? It was stressful as fuck. <laughs> Uh-oh. It was extremely stressful, um, but it's good. I, I feel like I came up with a plan that's going to work pretty well. Um, one of my roommates, who shall remain nameless, uh, has uh, the COVID right now, so it's uh, been interesting. He's been at home. We've been you know, masking up inside and I've been eating outside, limiting time in common areas and stuff. Um, but uh, selfishly, the week before we leave for tour is always filled with finishing up projects and clearing stuff from the back burner. And I haven't been able to work at home at all. I do audio all day, um, which makes noise. And uh, he's been very sick and uh, in a lot of pain. So um, I haven't been able to work from home which has been uh, pretty uh, difficult to navigate. Um, and I was going to be moving out of my place in March anyway and start the trek of moving things that I want to keep back up to my parents' house for next year's tour season. And, uh, and it all just kind of moved up on me. So I, uh, I'm moving into a hotel in Tustin, uh, Wednesday for the last week. So I can actually like set up and get work done and stay safe. I've been getting tested every day. Um, and, uh, that's been good. The CVS, uh, over the counter rapid tests are fantastic. If you haven't tried them yet, um, uh, and been keeping my mind at least not worried about that. And, um, yeah, so just, uh, I'm up here with my parents. I got to see my my niece today and my brother and sister-in-law and my folks and, and uh, have dinner together, which is really nice. I haven't had the opportunity to see them much at all over the last year and a half. So um, it's, it's really nice to be back up here for the second time in three weeks and get to spend some time, even though it's, it's short. Uh, it's, it's good. And, and uh, yeah, I'll be back in town tomorrow evening probably. And uh and gonna do the damn thing. Got a storage unit, and, and I'm gonna be slowly getting rid of and selling furniture and stuff this week, and then uh, 
yeah, it's going to be good. And then when we leave for tour, I'm not going to have anything looming over my head. And, uh, <laughs> and I can just relax and, and be with you guys to face whatever may come <laughs> with the world of touring and traveling, which is always presents its own obstacles and, and fun stuff. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah War, what about you, man? Sorry, that was a little long-winded. No, I like that. I, I think I kind of have a long-winded one coming too. I had a, I had a very nice, productive and relaxing weekend. <clears throat> like Steve said, uh, we're getting ready to go to Europe and figure out how to do that as safely and efficiently as possible. Um, and Robert and Henry are out of town, so we don't have any gigs. Um, so we have, we, I had like a, well, not like the first full weekend, but it felt like a, a full, full weekend of just doing stuff around that I needed to get done. Like we had a garage sale, which was pretty cool. Um, cause you always think that you're going to, I don't know. I always think that you're never going to sell a bunch of stuff. And then at the end of the day, you're like, I can't even believe the, the random stuff that people end up buying from you, which is super cool. And some of those people that came up on some pretty cool shit. Um, and I was stoked to see that there was stuff that we didn't use that much that other people were like very excited about. Can I ask a question really quick? Yeah. Do you have a really good yard sale neighborhood? I would imagine that you do because everyone's kind of like close together and it's like dense. So I imagine everyone could just walk. Like there's a hundred people who can walk to you from mm-hmm. like, you know, half a mile or something. I actually did it at my mom's house in San Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she has, I mean, it's a good neighborhood for garage sailing down there. It's just really tight knit for cars. So it kind of sucks. We don't really have like a, a yard, so I didn't do it here, but, um, we did it down there. So that was cool. Um, bro, I just love sailing, man. You know, just <laughs> garage, garage sailing, garage bro. sailing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, whatever. Uh, I did overlooking meet, the water. I met somebody at the garage sale who bought, um, I, they bought like a little children's toy that my sister sold, but she was from Spain and I talked to her about El Sol and she's like, Oh, Sala Sol. And I was like, yeah, like we're going to be playing there. And, she was super thrilled to hear she was from San Clemente and she was really excited to hear that we actually play in Spain where she lives most of the time. And I gave her a card. And if the chance that she comes out next year, we should be back in Spain. We're so excited about that. That was a fun connection. Um, but then I also, we went to a stand-up comedy show. Um, I went and saw Brad Williams, who was hysterical. Um, he is, uh, he was awesome. And we saw him over at the Irv- Irvine improv over here. And then, uh, on Sunday, or we, I jumped in the ocean. I got a foot massage. I got new clothes for tour. I did wow. so much shit. And I gotta say, I got the foot massage at the end of the weekend on a Sunday. And damn, that is a fucking good way to end a weekend. If you have, and it's like, it's not as expensive as like a, a normal massage, you know? But it's it's just as well. No, they do they do shoulders and oh, neck nice. and stuff nice. like that. Um, <laughs> but man, it was really really nice. I'd if I could end every weekend with a foot massage from Genkai or Gen Gen Foot Spa in San, in Costa Mesa, I would totally do it. Did Steve you go with Erica? Did you get a pedicure? I did. There was no pedicures. It's just a foot spa. Really? No yeah. way. They don't do pedicures and it's yeah, only it's, massage. That's it's super weird. Gen foot spa, and I think all of the staff there are males too. I'm used to. I'm used to like, like I've had a, a manicure pedicure before, and it's always been from a female. And it was like it was interesting to be like, oh, it was a, a male who's doing the foot massage. But do you like they, beat you up? 
No, so I fell asleep. Uh, it's almost like not even worth it because I fall asleep, but it's so good that I just completely relax in the chair. I wonder if they're really good at pressure points and they just like hit something and they're like, oh, all right, he's out. I'm going to go watch sports or something. <laughs> Me and Eric were joking about that. I was like, do you think the guy just goes in the back when I'm sleeping and then comes back and like, kind of just slaps me in the foot and I wake up and I'm like, man, that was great. <laughs> He's like, all right, drink this relaxing tea first. Yeah. And then he just drugs you. And then like, <laughs> yeah, but it was great. I had a really good weekend. It was good to do all that sort of stuff. Jumping in the ocean was always fantastic. Um, so I felt very, uh, very rejuvenated to start to get shit together to be gone for a month. Well, we're gone for a month and then we're back for like about a week and then we're gone for a month again in the States. So I'm excited for that shit. Anyway, Andrew, how was your week? Did you do anything eventful? Uh, My week was good. I, you know, did all the rounds of telling everyone I got engaged this week that didn't know. So that was fun. And, um... I said, I, I told everyone last time all the things that happened, right? I, we already talked about it, right? Um, engagement? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so this weekend, I feel like what happens, and I don't think this happens on purpose, but we try to spend as little time possible, like before tour, <laughs> just because we know we're going to see each other like every day. So it's like, who are all the people that are not the Robert John people that I could spend time with before this tour? Uh, and I was feeling sick all week. I think I got sick at Mammoth, and I also took a COVID test to make sure that I didn't get COVID. But uh, I was feeling, like, just lingeringly sick all week. So I finally started to get over it during the weekend. And uh, Amanda hit up uh, Ariel to go swimming, and that turned into an entire weekend for me. So Ariel is a West one of the singer from Jeremiah Red's one of our friends' bands, and uh, I was just going to go for the afternoon, and then we ended up staying the night, and then hanging up the next night and going swimming the next day. So I was <laughs> nice. there basically all weekend. And the weird, funny highlight was we watched Field of Dreams, and I've never seen Field of <laughs> Dreams before. Really, and I had never seen it either. Wow. Have you seen it? Have you guys seen it before? Oh, it's a classic, man. I, I saw it when I, thought, I was like right? a like, kid, but it's been such a long time. James I know Earl I'm Jones. weird for not having seen it. I don't feel yeah. like, you know, oh, like, who's seen Field of the Dreams? Obviously, that movie was, like, fucking huge. But um, I, w- I was watching, like, the first 10 or 15 minutes. And me and Amanda have weirdly been watching, like, uh, those kinds of movies. Uh, who's the lead? Is it Kevin Costner in that? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So we watched uh, Dances with Wolves like a month ago. So uh, we already have uh, Kevin Costner on the brain and like how he builds his movies and like uh, like how he's sort of like the everyman of his generation and stuff like that. And I watched the first five minutes and I've heard of Field of Dreams. I know all the lines. If you build it, they will come, right? Like that's, Mm -hmm. I've heard that a million times growing up. I do. And then like, cartoons or like shows will make jokes about it or things like that. So it's just like a piece of pop culture. And I started watching the first like 15 minutes of it. And I was like, Oh, this is what this movie is. It's just like a seventies dude porn. And I said that in a way where I was like, Oh, so you're taking some guy from the Midwest. Who's like, 
a baseball fan and you're basically like, it's a story about like having faith and like having your meaningless life mean something. (laughs) And then I was like, we're like one step away from this guy's dad telling him that he's proud of him. You know, everything that every guy wants to hear in his life is basically in that movie. And it's just made for, you know, dads to feel good down to every little detail in that movie. And I was just watching it going like, there's this. And I would guess that maybe something like this is going to happen. And then he's going to go talk to James Earl Jones. And then he's going to be like, uh, maybe all about it. And at the last second, say he doesn't want to go. And then he's going to leave. And then he's going to suddenly show up. And suddenly like all those things just start happening. (laughs) It's all the things that became cliche, you know, in that era. I was like, oh, yeah, it just comes from this 90s storytelling thing. Uh, 1989 was when it came out. Oh, okay. Everyone gets what I'm talking. I'm sorry. I'm one year off. (laughs) (laughs) Guess what? Most I I could figure that most dads in 1989 were also dads in the 90s. Uh, I wasn't born in 1989. I wasn't even alive yet. Kevin Costner Uh, would be so disappointed. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but uh, Wes was telling me, because he's a huge baseball fan, that they made a Field of Dreams Major League Stadium this year yep. in Iowa, right next to where they shot the movie, like a real Major League Stadium. And then the home run you know, section has like the big cornfield and stuff like that. And it was like the most attended, most expensive game in, like, in ever in Major League Baseball <laughs> history. And they said there was 11 home runs. Wow. wow. Which is like, the, like he's That's like, that doesn't happen. You know, like people were, uh, you know, blowing this one out. So, yeah, the Chicago Cubs and Cincinnati Reds are set to meet out there next year for the big Field of Dreams game, which is going to be nuts. Who, who was it in the, uh, in the movie, though? Was it the Twins and the. It was the uh, Yankees and the White Sox. So, Yankees Chicago and, and New York. Nice. But yeah, Field of Dreams and then just hanging out and. Eating and drinking. I think I've eaten more pizza this weekend than I have like the entire year. So, yeah, get it. <laughs> and you know what goes good with pizza, right? Everything. Drinking. Oh yeah. <laughs> I drink it. I don't have any drinks on me, but Warren, I'll I'll go grab something while you're uh, okay. While you're well, I'm going to be boring yeah, because I have something that I've brought up a lot before, and it is the raspberry lime spindrift. Um, yeah, I, I didn't drink too much this weekend, but I've just been trying to, uh, not drink too much before we hit the road. Not like we drink a lot on the road, but I just drink more than normal. So I like to just get after this, but you know, I noticed I got spin drifts and I got, uh, lime topo chicos and I love lime topo chicos and spin drift is so much different from it that now when I go back to the lime topo chicos, I don't like them anymore. So the spindrift has kind of fucked everything up for me. So I need to like slowly get off the spindrift and back to my Topo Chico kick because I really love those things. But yeah. How does it make them taste different? I feel like spindrift is like way more flavory. Like it's uh, Topo Chico, the lime one is a very watered down version of what like a lime something tastes like where this is like very, very raspberry limey. You can taste it. Um, Side note, I still hate the grapefruit ones so much. I hate grapefruit spindrift. 
And unfortunately, the sampler pack, uh, it comes in that, and I had to finish those this last weekend. But, you know, there's worse things to be complaining about than uh, having uh, grapefruit LaCroix or whatever they are in my fridge. I guess I'm lucky to have anything in my fridge, that being said. Yeah, yeah. yeah those those uh, grapefruit spindrifts were very nice, by the way. Warren and I were going through. <laughs> no, uh, they weren't. <laughs> they suck. <laughs> I enjoyed it. Shit. I drank like three of them. It's well, I was just saying about how I was like, I still hate the grapefruit flavor. And then you oh. sat back down and you're like, well, you know, the grapefruit flavor is really great. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Bubbly water is, is awesome. I like it. I'm completely out on all spindrifts. So you're talking to the wrong guy about that. They taste like spoiled wine. They're the, uh, they're the, uh, <laughs> what do you call them? They're the seltzers of beers <laughs> or the seltzers of, uh, uh, sparkling water. Yeah. Well, well, what are you drinking, Andrew? I am drinking one of the Mammoth Brewing Co. beers that we got from Mammoth Weekend. And this is the Epic IPA. It's good. Uh, Solid IPA, full body, not too hoppy. I feel like everyone just needs their solid catalog. (laughs) And this is a solid IPA. I get less mad these days at something that's solid and more mad at something that tried to be something crazy and then it just sucks. <laughs> so <laughs> thank you, Mammoth, for your solid IPA. It's 6.5 ABV solid. Steve, what did you end up with? I found a Guinness in my family's fridge. So nice. I'm drinking Guinness out of a can. It's uh, best if enjoyed poured into a glass, but I didn't want to dirty a glass. And Bruce, as always, is drinking gin, probably. <laughs> drinking gin. I don't know. He's away from home. Sometimes he can't get gin when he's away from home. Or he's in his other home, second home. So say he's uh, watching from Georgia from today. The Peach State. Peach State. Yeah. Oh, uh, I'll tell you about one more thing about my weekend. <laughs> I bought Ooh. one of those percussion massagers. I didn't oh, have yes. get one you did. I got like a knockoff one. Okay. I, and I, I uh, did it all week, and it was, like, messing me up. You know what I mean? It's like actually yeah. getting a massage. You just feel, like, torn up. Yeah, yeah. And then this weekend, we went swimming all weekend. And, oh, my God, it just loosened, like, everything up. It felt so nice. good. Nice. And it looks just like yours, but it's the knockoff version. So Killer. Um, it was, like, a cheaper uh, Chinese knockoff. But yeah. it still does about the same. You know, I think yours is better, but mine... Uh, <laughs> hey man, we call it the pummel gets, gun. Yeah, it gets the job done. Yeah, those <laughs> things are gun. amazing. Uh, I, I don't know if I talked about it last week but, or the week before, but um, I, I bought a, a Theragun recently, which apparently they're based in Costa Mesa. Really? Um, really? Yeah. No way. Although I, I found one at a, at a Walgreens up here in the day. So I, uh, I ended up getting one for myself, one for my, my brother and, and sister-in-law, and one for my parents. Um, cleaned Damn. out Walgreens of their their three remaining. Well, it was one Theragun and two other knockoff versions, but yeah, it's great. And it's uh, they they normally come in like a gun shape, you know, where mm-hmm. like a handle and then an extension, and you can kind of like push into it. The one I got uh, is uh, like a triangle at the top, and then it's got the attachment that actually massages and, and pulses and uh holy crap man like it's it's great and it's 
really easy to throw in a backpack. So I'm very excited to bring it on tour and it charges with a, uh, a pretty easy charger. So I'm uh, going to uh, definitely bring that on the road because I sleep in the van all the time. If we were still doing picks of the weeks, uh, that would definitely be my pick of the week. <laughs> and it sounds like it would be Andrews as well for this week. So, yeah. Those pick of the week. week. But definitely, like, I, I agree with you that, like, the first time you use it, it, I mean, it's working out a bunch of shit and lactic acid and everything else. So you end up being pretty sore after the first time you use it. But if you keep it going, it's just phenomenal. I'm excited yeah. you got one too, man. Are you going to bring it on the road with you? Yeah, that was the plan. That's why I bought like that same oh, shape yeah. one that was like nice. small or whatever. Great. Damn. I was thinking, I saw one this weekend and I was like, oh, I should get a Theragun, but I didn't. I also had the same thought about a Nintendo Switch. And I was like, Steve and Henry would have been proud of me if I got a Theragun and a Nintendo Switch. But <laughs> I passed on both. <laughs> I can bring my Switch. I have a Switch. I don't use it anymore. It sounds like we're going to be like, trying to not touch anyone. So um, we probably shouldn't have something to do most of the time. (laughs) We should all just, uh, we should bring our Oculuses and just. uh... (laughs) I can't do Oculus for more than like five minutes or else I get dizzy. (laughs) Uh, I did do one other thing this weekend. Um, I went to see my friend Ryan play in a jazz trio and I am going to do my spiel on jazz trio stuff because yes. I came up playing jazz and I just have not um, seen something like that in a really long time and it just brought up all these funny memories. So number one, it was at the Baked Potato in Studio City, which we've been to a couple times and it's basically where like the greatest studio dudes and like the bands that are the fusion bands, like that's where you're going to see whatever, like Michael Landau and... Uh, all these other like rock and roll things, like Steve. We saw Steve Luca through there do a show mm-hmm. like uh, many a year ago, like do a benefit show. Um, and it's just amazing, this yeah. huge place in the '80s and the '90s where all the studio guys used to go do their like nightlies or whatever, or they used to just go sit in after they were done doing all their studio sessions. Or and um, so it's like a pretty legendary place and people know it for like the greatest musicianship in the world. And then Ryan and his band are all guys, I think from USC and they're all in Michael Buble's band. Nice. Um, so I don't know if all of them are, I know the guitar player and the drummer are, but um, they're like phenomenal at jazz. And I came in the room and I was like, didn't know what to expect. Sometimes it's a bunch of dudes like me and older Oh, yeah, yeah. Philip Sace played at the Baked Potato, too. Yeah, yeah. It's like a virtuoso spot. And uh, I don't know what to make of it there, because the audience there depends on who's playing. So if it's someone who was popular 30 years ago, it's going to be an audience full of people who are that age. And I was thinking the same thing about this band, going, okay, Ryan's, uh, whatever, he's 20-something. I think all the guys are, like, younger, like, late 20s. And so I was expecting a crowd, but it's straight ahead jazz. So I was expecting a crowd of older people. It was all MI kids. Oh, which no. Lauren <laughs> knows everything about. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it was hilarious because uh, I was like exhausted from swimming all day and doing all that stuff. So I, pretty, uh, I probably should have gone home and went to bed. But I, I uh, you know, if I tell someone I'm going to go to a show, I go to a show because that's just, you know, 
um, I, 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 I don't like it when people do that to me. So I went to the show and I was exhausted and I was like, I just want to sit in the corner and not talk to anyone. So I ended up sitting with Ryan's, uh, uh, wife and hanging out in the back while they're playing. And there's just all these like 21 to 25 year old kids who want to be good at music there and who are like super into all like the dudes and stuff like that. And it was so funny seeing all their reactions and stuff. Now this band is like world-class and very good, but you could just tell the difference between a young and an old audience. It's, it's because what they cheer at. Mm-hmm. And so his guitar player can like rip straight ahead, like bebop up tempo stuff, like really fast, you know, and, uh, I call this thing the garbage diminished lick, but Steve might know what I'm talking about. It's when like guitar players play diminished chords and they just play them all over the neck. Yeah. But it does it's not really playing changes or anything. It just sounds cool. And if you do it in sort of a chromatic way or something like that, it might be like building tension. And then you can go back into playing changes and it's cool. I wish I had like a, a guitar or something so I can show people like an example of you know, oh, we're playing this straight ahead, like very normal thing with a lot of major notes. And then you just add all these crazy sounding awful notes. Jazz. And then the stupid fucking musician kids go, oh, my God, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't believe he did that, which takes no skill. It just takes a lot of confidence. Yeah, because at that point, you're not playing any of the changes. You just need to know where you're going to land. It's it's basically the guitar version of me playing my, my keyboard with my face. Yeah, exactly. It's a total total filler, and you can only do it a couple, like maybe once, maybe, maybe twice if it's a long ass set. But like, you really have to pick your moment. But it's definitely like a more of a filler technique uh, than than anything else. Uh, And and it sounds cool, but it's not something to, depending on how someone uses it. Yeah. If they just throw it in. It's almost like I couldn't think of anything else or I yeah. haven't done this thing yet. So I'm just going to yep. throw it in. <laughs> and, uh, God, like, they, it, they just start going crazy. And it's there's, like, oh, there's God, probably like, that like, is not the thing. Guy, like that one friend on the side that was like, do the thing, do the thing. And he's like, all right, yeah. rock, 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 here we go. But, man, and uh, <laughs> I was just, like, in the back going, like, it, he's playing so fast. And I know it takes so much facility. And I know it's so good and stuff and i'm like this does not excite me for the same reasons that it excites all these music kids anymore i'm just like an old dude in music now where i'm like make me feel something yeah don't don't amaze me make me feel something Mm -hmm. and it's it's such a different uh i guess goal right like because being amazing it's not easy I, I've just seen so many of those people like coming up who could just blow through changes or something like that. And it just doesn't, it just sounds like noise. And you, yeah. you're like, why does it sound like noise? And I always think about it and I'm like, cause it's not going anywhere. Yeah. Right. Like you're not building up to something. And, and it's not coming from anywhere either is the, is the other half of that is that it's like you, yeah, you can musically just, you know, jerk off all over the place and, and it's impressive, but it's, like the the finesse and the and the um, expertise comes in like knowing when to pick your moments and being able to do that and choosing not to half the time. Bruce said slow and emotive. <laughs> you know, um, it's uh, if you can hold. I'm I'm always going to be way more impressed if like 
somebody just holds out one note and does something with that one note and then that's it and then passes it off to the next person instead of like here's this crazy you know nine minutes of wanking it's like i don't want to see that and there's some weird elitism around jazz too where it's like um if you can't do that you're looked down upon or something like Mm -hmm. that and it's it's I don't know. I am so much more, and as I get older, I'm more stubborn about this in the camp of, like, make me feel something. I don't care how many notes you play. Just make me feel something. Yeah. I don't care if you're in tune as a singer or not in tune as a singer. Just make me feel something. And that's what I'm interested in, rather than, like, pure technique or something like that. And I feel like that's what I try to go for in the band or in the spirit of the band, whatever, like, what I try to accomplish is that, like, I'm definitely not perfect, but I take a ton of risks that the average drummer might not take that aren't going to sound this way or that, but I am like playing at the absolute edge of what I think I'm going to do without the whole thing blowing up, you know, Mm -hmm. and just like losing it or just running off the rails or something like that. And I feel like uh, I like jazz that sort of does the same thing. You could feel them pushing their limitations however that might be it might be uh a slow blues or something like that and someone's emoting in certain ways or something like that but uh if something is too controlled and too perfect and polished it loses that sense of like being dangerous yeah and and that wasn't everything that was just my comment on muso kids you know applauding all the things that aren't aren't necessarily the things I care about anymore. And then this guy plays just some lick that's like phrased in a way that I'm really impressed with. I'm like, that was really cool. Like Mm -hmm. the things I care about these days and the things I think the, the kids care about are so different. And it's so funny to see just how kids interact with music. Well, and especially it's one thing to play to a room of, it's one thing to play to a room of musicians because obviously they're all looking at you kind of judging, thinking what they would do. But it's also another thing to play a room full of musicians that's going to school currently to do all that sort of stuff because they're all like dialed in, like trying to find those ooh and ah. And yeah. And yeah, I don't know. My, my only question for you is, did you get a baked potato? Your microphone is not working right now. But I, I saw your lips say I didn't get a baked potato. <laughs> no. Well, well and, and if anybody hasn't been there, the baked potato has a menu, and it only has baked potatoes on it. The room is about the size of a living room, and yeah. they do baked potatoes. They have a bar, and they have, I think there's like 17 or 20 baked potatoes, and there's all sorts of different combinations. Hey, yep. There you go. Okay. No potato, huh? I didn't get a potato. I, w- I had already eaten, and I'd eaten a bunch of pizza, so I'm like, I shouldn't get a potato <laughs> on top of that. Oh, they did look really good. There's one other super funny thing. So in music school, especially at a place like MI, and Warren can probably attest to it, there's the people who are really serious, and then the people who are basically just there to, like, fuck around, and they all sort of, like, go to the same events. And so there's, like, a kid in front of me, who was there with a girl. Apparently everyone takes dates to the baked potato too. Everyone had a date. And I was like, uh, this is super funny. He was literally sitting like right to the side of Ryan, but Ryan wasn't looking that direction. Thank God. 
And they were just like furiously making out every five minutes. <laughs> like he literally grabbed both sides of this girl's head and like started kissing her. And I was like, oh my God, what's wrong with you guys? You're like in public. Don't, well, you know, oh, you're this- watching a jazz show. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's a little aggressive, especially there, especially there. It's yeah, yeah it's so weird. Uh, it wasn't like funny. a peck on the cheek or like we're, you know, having a really good time at this thing. It was just like furiously making out. <laughs> That's hilarious. And yeah, I was a little jealous. I want that guy to furiously be making out with me, you know? <laughs> yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> he, hey, he was just really inspired by that diminished lick. He was like, man, I'm yeah. just feeling it right now. <laughs> I think that's it, Bruce. I think I'm just getting old. <laughs> and that's okay. So- so I, I I just looked up the menu for the baked potato, um, and because uh, I was like, there's no way. Like I feel like I've seen something else other there, there other than potatoes, and it's all potatoes, mm-hmm. um, except for they do have uh, some salads. But take a listen to some of these baked potatoes: Got the melted cheese potato, sautéed tomato and cheese potato, maple ham and cheese potato, sautéed spinach cheese potato. Sauteed mushroom and cheese potato, broccoli and cheese potato, backed by popular demand after 44 years. <laughs> egg and sauteed spinach <clears throat> potato, egg and sauteed mushroom, egg and maple ham, sauteed mushroom potato, bacon and sauteed tomato potato, pizzaiola sauce potato, teriyaki chicken potato, chicken Ooh. parm potato, buffalo blue chicken potato, Philly cheesesteak potato, and the chef's nightly special. Wow. I felt like that scene in uh, Forrest Gump with the, with the different kinds of shrimp. <laughs> There's another oh, movie. Yeah. Potato. yeah. <laughs> and that just made my mouth water. Potatoes. It sounds amazing. Yeah. If you're in LA, you should go, you should definitely try to check out the, the baked potato. It's a legendary spot. Especially uh, if you're a potato lover and a, and a music lover. <laughs> it always sounds so good in there, man. It's cool. Speaking of being a music lover, you guys have some music to show everyone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Word. Lead us off, bro. Well, <clears throat> me and Steve and our friend Ian <clears throat> have a little project that we call Late Night Brunch Club, which is kind of just <clears throat> making music on the side for fun um, and, you know, not really... I don't know, like not taking ourselves too seriously and just kind of going with whatever the song kind of sounds like. And a lot of the stuff that we've been doing has this kind of like uh, slowed down kind of funky vibe to it. Um, And we are about to release uh, a new song on Friday called uh, Where I Am. Yeah. (laughs) See, and, and we've been working on it for a long time. I think actually my computer got stolen and we lost some stuff and I don't know. There's a lot of stuff. And then, and then gigs came back. So, you know, me and Steve got busy and Ian is also in Sega genocide. He got super busy and it kind of just went on the back burner, which is fine because it's kind of just music in our spare time to kind of just shoot back and forth to each other. But uh, this song has kind of a housey vibe to it. And, um, I don't know. It was fun to put together. Um, and it was, it's been done for, 
it's been pretty much finished for a really long time. We've just been lagging on getting it out. So I'm excited to put out another late night brunch club tune. And um, I don't know. What do you, what do you think about it, Steve? What, do you have anything to pat I love people it, with? It came together really quick. Um, a lot of these, uh, these late night brunch club tunes uh, start with war building out a uh, like pretty much like a whole groove and everything. And most of the time an arrangement, and then what we'll do is, uh, like, I'll add keys to it, and uh, Ian will come in and, and do some top line to it, and then we'll kind of work on it all together and just and piece it together. And this one came together super quick. I, I, I think it was, like, it was like April or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were doing it, and we came – we were over at your place, I remember, and I don't think we spent more than, like, two hours on it. No, yeah, it was quick. It was like super quick, and uh, and then we ended up like getting another. Uh, Ian did a, another vocal take, and and I I layered in some stuff, and we talked about getting some other musicians on it, and ended up just keeping it uh, just the three of us. Um, I do remember I, I got to play the uh, the synth lead line <laughs> on Warren's actual <laughs> computer keyboard, which was pretty fun on the using the musical typing and logic. And that was, uh, that's, that's always a blast. I got a, a fun, fun little Instagram post out of that one. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm stoked. Uh, we got this mastered by Mike Fossenkemper, uh, out in New York city who, uh, masters, uh, the, all the, the rec stuff, at least for the last, uh, few records. He, he was the mastering engineer on our self-titled and last light and, uh, shine a light on me brother. And I've been working with him a lot, especially over the last year. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm pumped that, uh, that we got to put this one out before we head out on the road and let people enjoy it. And I think it sounds really good and all that good stuff. So yeah, not, right. maybe. here we go. So this is uh, late night brunch club, uh, where I am.
Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. So that comes out on Friday, this Friday, uh, August 20th on streaming platforms. And uh, I'll get the, uh, it'll, it'll have the, uh, the, the Spotify link for pre-save and all that stuff in the comments below. And I'll pop that in the comments here in a second on, uh, on Facebook. But yeah, Clean Up Brunch Club. It's our third, third <laughs> single this year that we've put out. And hope we can get to do some more. They, they're, they're always fun. And yeah. War always comes up with really cool progressions and stuff too, man. It's, it's dope. Yeah, and it's such a different thing from the wreck stuff. Um, you know, it's pretty much all done like through my computer. Um, and then I'll like drop a baseline on, but it's just like a different, just sort of way about making music. And, um, you know, uh, it's fun to collaborate. And nowadays things are so easy with Dropbox and sending files back and forth that it's, uh, it's like, why not just, you know, whatever it sounds like, just finish it. And if you want to release it, put it out. And we ended up doing a bunch of stuff. So we will probably continue to do stuff. So follow late night brunch club on Instagram and Spotify and all that sort of stuff. And um, yeah, you can get kind of some groovy, funky, other random stuff. Um, I think we even have shirts for sale on, on Steve's website. We do. Yes. They're pretty cool. Some, some logo shirts that are very comfy come in uh, a ton of different colors and color combinations. So you guys can check, check all that out. So there's As that. I'm talking about my jazz nerdiness and the things that make me feel something still, I feel like as you get older, that stuff is either harder to find or you start like digging into what you used to like beforehand more, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's a real natural thing because being young and listening to music, you attach so many emotions to those songs and then it goes like, oh, I remember when I was here and I heard this for the first time or something, you know. What's one thing, and then you can have multiples of these. I feel like this is an open-ended question, but what's one group or singer or whoever you feel like from your past that hasn't fallen off? Because I feel like that's happening a bunch where I really like something one year and then I don't even know it exists the next year. I don't even listen to it ever again. And then there's stuff I just like go back to every year. I'm like, well, I need to re-listen to this catalog mm -hmm. like again because this is just like a piece of me, you know? And as you get older, it gets deeper. It doesn't get, you know, less true or whatever. It gets more deep. And I could start with this. I feel like this might sound super cliche, but, like, listening to Dark Side of the Moon every year is something I really look forward to. Mm. I feel like it's an easy thing for me to go get back into and go, like, oh, like, this has all the things that make a good record or make something that, like, is, um, like something that's timeless and i don't just think that because it's popular i listen to it and go like oh cool like whatever they did with technology at that time sounded really good you know and those sorts of things like start to uh stand the test of time you know there's not a lot like i feel like records are even trying to do that now like there's a lot of hip-hop that just goes like sort of song to song and they just like um, go from one to the next and they might be like uh, they're not full songs they're just like this record listening experience that uh, I feel like that was the intention with Dark Side of the Moon and it might have happened before that I don't know if there's I don't have good reference points but uh, I feel like that's a really good one for me that still 
makes me feel a lot of good stuff. I just like listening to it from front to back. And it is just like a musical, basically, in my mind. So, yeah. Because especially like ending on Dark Side of the Moon, it's such like a reprise or whatever, you know what I mean? So, that's something in the past that I've listened to that stays with me. Uh, another band is this punk rock band called No Effects that I've always listened to. It's always been my favorite band since I was like seven or whatever. And then the songs are so polarizing as I get older. I either love them a million times more or I just fucking am like, you're the, the worst human. And like, I can't believe I like, you know, listen to this. But I think what I really like it's funny. I actually wrote a riff earlier where I was like, oh, this is totally a no effects riff, but it's like <laughs> works in the blues world and we're totally going to steal this. <laughs> a lot of Robert John stuff, whether you know it or not, is uh, inspired by that kind of stuff because uh, Chris was also a huge no effects fan and snuck a bunch of stuff that we knew into <laughs> Robert John songs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I could still listen to all those catalogs and go like, what a great song this still applies to today. And then there's some songs that are just like, God, like even 14 year old me is embarrassed that I used to like this or whatever, you know, but that energy is still there. I love, I feel that energy when I listen to the songs and I'm like, Oh, like this is what I want. That feeling of like, it's dangerous. It's not perfect. I don't Mm -hmm. care if it's perfect. It's, it's exciting, you know? And that's what I always wanted out of music. Sorry. What no, you go say, ahead. Go ahead. I, I was going to say also too, like, uh, you know, I think no effects gets whatever the shit that they get, but they're actually a fucking great band live. Even if they're like kind of sloppy and drunk, like when you listen to those live records, you're like, you guys are actually like playing this stuff like pretty damn well for being totally rambunctious on stage. And then the best part too about the live stuff is the banter. And I feel like, <laughs> They, I heard they suck live, and I heard they still suck live. Captures that kind of live essence of no effects, which I maybe gets lost in the other stuff, but not really. But yeah, God. so I've watched. Like, I'm. If you ask me about that band, I can talk about them for days. There's this one show from. It's like a German festival in the '90s, and you think their banter is bad today? Like, they got basically, like, canceled for a year from punk rock bowling because they said something about the Vegas shooting, which was not, like, uh, you know, a nice thing to do. But they've been doing that their whole career, right? Yeah. So there's this one, uh, it's, like, the 90s, and no effects, like, didn't get played on the radio from their own accord, so they didn't have the popularity of some other bands, even though they were just as big, right? And so... Um, I think one of the headliner was, was like garbage, you know, Butch Vig's band who, uh, uh, it's like an electronica band with a girl singer and fat Mike on stage at a festival in Germany to like, whatever, tens of thousands of people is like, Oh yeah. You know, that singer of garbage. Yeah. I fucked her backstage. Yeah. It was (laughs) just terrible, terrible banter. And just like, you know, like, it kept being more ridiculous. And you see him, like, getting a rise out of everyone. And you see all of his bandmates going, like, can we, like, <laughs> can we just keep this going? And you just cannot believe the level of stuff that people got away with, like, you know, even 20 or 30 years ago on yeah. stage. It's crazier. So <laughs> nobody's yeah. recording this. Yeah. It's just a giant <laughs> festival. Yeah. For, for for me, when when you're talking about uh, 
Dark Side of the Moon. I've always loved records that are set up as like a full album, like a start to finish one work um, type of thing. Um, I didn't hear Dark Side of the Moon and the actual version until after I heard Dub Side of the Moon. Wow. Uh, the, the, that was a Easy Star All-Stars, right? But mm-hmm. um, yeah, the I've always loved that concept. And uh, some of the records that I go back to, especially when I'm driving by myself, um, long distances and stuff is like, like the artist in the ambulance by thrice, you know, even though it did have some songs that, that did stop and, and kind of break it up. Um, that one just top to bottom. Like I, if I put it on, I'm just going to drive until it's over. Um, and then, uh, the deer hunter, that was still like around, around that time, like the 2002, 2003, 2004. Doesn't that era? Yeah. Um, yeah. They had their albums were like Act One, Act Two, Act Three, Act Four. I don't even know how many acts they've done since then. Uh, but growing up, like you know, listening to a lot of primarily like for myself, I was really into like like film scores, and I was doing a lot of musical theater and stuff uh, in high school, and then out of high school. So that having that you know lush orchestrations and. And, uh, but with the rock and roll element and stuff to it, like that's always been very inspiring. And, and, uh, and I kind of seek that stuff out a little bit more, I think, than like I, I never really got into no effects. Like I, I kind of missed the train on that one. But, um, not too yeah, late. Like, I know. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll download a bunch before the before the tour. Be great. Watch watch backstage passport start there. Okay. Yeah, they had their own show on a fuse uh, oh, back nice. in the day. <laughs> um, but yeah, the uh, the deer hunter, like acts one, two, and three. Um, I remember it was like the perfect amount of time. If I refueled in Lost Hills on the five, I could listen straight through act one, two, and three, and it would get me right to my parents' front door coming home for the holidays and stuff. So that was my like go-to like, all right, we're hitting this section of the five. I'm going to start this, this record and just go on a journey through the night. You know, it was pretty, pretty neat. That's awesome. Yeah. What about you were? Um, okay. Uh, well, the one band that I first thought of when we talked about this is the Pixies. I feel like every now, every couple months I have to like go back and listen to, the Pixies first couple albums. Um, that was a big thing for me growing up. And I felt like, I mean, I still listen to a lot of the hardcore and the punk rock stuff that I did back in the day, but it's less frequent. And I've just always loved the Pixies. I, I love what Frank did, Black did solo after that and him and the Catholics and all that sort of stuff. Coincidentally, I'm not that fond of their new, their latest albums, but I, it's still hats off to them for getting out there and doing it. Um, I don't know. They're one of those bands that you'd go see and they'd play so many fucking songs. They play every song and they have, it's almost like a punk band. They have like quick songs. They're a couple minutes. So you can play, you know, 40 songs in a night, but I love the Pixies. Um, and I have to go back to that every now and then. There is, I notice sometimes when uh, Erica's mom lives in Scottsdale and when we'll go out there, I noticed I, I start to put on, there's like these albums that you can put on from your youth that for, for whatever reason, you know, every lyric from start to finish. And out of all the things that my brain could have held on to, for some reason that holds on to, you know, everybody has those songs that they can just sing for whatever. But man, 
if you put on Blink-182, Enema of the State. Oh, yeah, dude. It's like that whole <laughs> album is so timeless. And it's, it is, it's one of those, every song that comes on is so good. And you just remember all the lyrics. And it's like, why the fuck do I remember all of these lyrics? There could have been other things my brain should be doing. But <laughs> that album for me is also another one of those. It's like, put that on and I'll listen to that all the way through and ju- be just as giddy as I was when I was a little kid. Yeah. This is probably um, so surprising to like half our audience. It's like, why do you guys play blues rock or like do solos <laughs> and stuff like that? Like, oh, oh. So then, I, I, my rent, the last one that I got that I have to listen to every now and then that has some sort of weird nostalgic thing is I am obsessed with the soundtrack from Hello Dolly, uh, the Barbara Streisand version. Specifically, what? yeah, dude. Um, it is so so good. The uh, I don't know. My sister was super into musicals, and I used to have to listen to that against my will. And once I got past the phase of like being mad at it, I re-listened to it, and I realized how great it is. It's so random, mm-hmm. but I love the soundtrack. I don't even watch the movie that much. I'll just listen to the soundtrack. And it's back in the day when they, you know, they were still on a soundstage, and uh, they have the big choruses of people that blends into a one voice, and just the way that they had microphones back in the days is just there's something about it that I I love it, and man, I can put that soundtrack on and just be super super giddy again, which is really weird. Um, so I don't know, you know, go check out the Hello Dolly soundtrack. It might be good. And then there's, uh, there's obviously all the other classics that everybody's throwing out there, you know, like, um, I don't know, just anything from like Zeppelin to the stones or something that, you know, that you don't listen to that often, like Pink Floyd. Um, but I don't know. There's, there's the, the real random ones. I think I, I pulled out of the, pulled out of the hat, mm-hmm. the most random one definitely being Hello Dolly, but that soundtrack mm-hmm. fucking destroys Barbara Streisand killed it on it. I would encourage you guys to go re-listen to it just to see what you think. You know, it's also a really fun listen if you haven't to in a while, and it still holds up for just the same as it was when it came out, is Will Smith's Big Willie style. (laughs) Dude, I'm telling you, man, that thing is a jam. And it's the same type of thing where, like, like, you're like, I don't know why I know all the words to these. But, like, eighth grade me would be proud, you know? That's a good one. I haven't heard, I haven't re-listened to that one in a while. Miami and stuff on it. Well, and when we went to Palooza Palooza, I threw on, uh, I know, like, I saw the Limp Biscuit footage of them at Lollapalooza, and it looked insane, and I feel like they destroyed it, and they sounded great, and I went back and listened to some of that old Limp Biscuit stuff, and there's definitely songs like that that I'm like, oh, I remember all the lyrics and stuff, but I feel like some of those albums don't just flow all the way through. And it was funny re-listening to like an album like that because it reminded me of the days of you really only have to get a, like one or like a couple good songs on an album and then kind of just put some fillers in there. And oh, I remember yeah, yeah. like, remember being a kid being like, oh, track two is great. And like track seven and like it would be these specific tracks. And then I would go back to re-listen to it and, I don't know. It was, it was just interesting. Uh, That's how I feel about a ton of Zeppelin records. I feel like there is a ton of filler on a lot of Zeppelin records where I'm not like... And even Beatles records, like fucking a Revolver. 
How dare I you? I love the Beatles. <laughs> this is not coming from someone who dislikes the Beatles, but within, without me, within you, or whatever that song is, the fucking George song that's all Indian nonsense. Touche, touche. Like, you know, well, you just played Tax Man. Like, what's wrong with you guys? And Eleanor Rigby's on this record. You know, like, what are you, what are you doing? Like, and I, I, I understand the, uh, you know. Uh, expand the mind or do those things, but it's such an album track. You're not mixing Indian music with pop music. You're just playing, you know, whatever weird ass song that I'm going to skip every time I listen to this record. <laughs> I, I admit it. I, I skip that song every time I hear it too. And what's the, there's like a Zeppelin song on like Zeppelin two. That's kind of like weird and just like ethereal or something like that. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Sorry. Uh, there's probably a Henry question where I could just throw out a <laughs> yeah. question like that. <laughs> But man, uh, yeah, that like some of those things in particular on some of those records, I'm just like, oh my god, like why you ruined what was uh, gonna be a perfect album? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The album. I'm trying based. to think of things, things that uh, we're also into a bunch of singer songwriter stuff. One of the dudes who still gets me, and like if I see a live show or anything to this day, is Damien Rice. Oh, yeah, and like yeah. his production is amazing, and I everything about it, it sounds so weird because the the styles have nothing to do with each other. But you know, everything we do in Robert John the Wreck, I try to have a piece of that in it, which is just really defined dynamics and then really good delivery of vocal <laughs> done in like a really dynamic way. It's just the dynamic of Damien Rice is like something that's great. I've seen him like three or four times live and God damn it. I will watch that guy do anything and he still gets me every time he performs. Are there any guys like that for you guys like today? Mark Broussard for me, man, that, that guy from, from the beginning and I've been lucky enough to be able to work with him a few times over the years. And, and uh, but yeah, every, every time I, I see him perform, dude, it's just fucking unreal. Like you're just, the rest of the room doesn't exist. You're just like, it's, they're singing to your soul, you know, directly. Really cool. And it's, and it's all those things you're talking about. It's the dynamics and it's the soulfulness and the delivery and the, you know, musicianship and everything too. And, you know, the songs are, I love like 99% of them, which is very rare for me with most artists. Yeah, I don't know. For me, it's probably like, I don't know. Probably like Queens of the Stone Age. I'm big, like I'm a big Josh can't do it, no wrong sort of thing. Or maybe, yeah, I don't know. But I think it's interesting too the, the when we talk about it and you can see stuff and even just listening to like the late night brunch club thing. It's interesting to know that I would say most of what I listen to is not music that we the the sound that we're going for. Mm-hmm. And I feel like even in most cases, when I've played in bands, uh, like I played with a hip hop guy who would, who would rap back when I played drums. And when I was playing with him, I felt like I had to go back and catch up and, and be like, well, now I, ha- now I got to go listen to like a little bit more of this hip hop stuff because now I'm kind of like not faking it, but I, I, it wasn't my, my go-to. Whereas it's kind of the same with Robert John and the Wreck. Like I didn't, I grew up on like, obviously like rock and roll stuff, but like definitely Southern rock, like definitely didn't know too much Leonard Skinner or even like ZZ top stuff like that. Um, Ballman brothers, maybe an exception there, but um, I feel like, I don't know. Is it the same for you guys? Like 
I would say 90% of what I listen to is not the sort of style that we even play, which is interesting because oh, yeah. we play this style every, every weekend, you know, all the time. And, um, you know, and, and the more I do, the more we go on tour, I try to keep my listening habits spread out. And I try to find like last time we were in Europe, I was like, I'm just going to binge on, on a uh, Skinner because I never really got that. And I think when we go out this next time, I'm going to do ZZ top mm-hmm. and I'm going to go back and kind of reload that, that back catalog that I never got. Um, but I think that's interesting having yeah. this conversation. Um, and I know, I feel like it's the same for you guys too. Right? Well, I, yeah, I, I didn't even listen to a full Almond Brothers record until we were doing an Almond Brothers tribute act at the Wayfair in like 2015, you know, <laughs> like we, we had already been a band for, you know, five years at that point. And I knew we had like, we covered a couple of the tunes. We did like Midnight Rider and stuff, but, um, yeah, it wasn't, in, wasn't until we actually had to learn a whole set of Almond Brothers. It, it was the same thing with the Eagles. When we, like, when we did those tribute acts, that's really like, my first time diving into any of those bands. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, I would say the same thing where I think when we were starting the band, it was just like Kings of Leon was a band that was popular, yeah. and they were sort of a throwback to those sorts of things, and not even really... And then we just did whatever our version of that was, and it mm. came out in this way. And then we really like improvisation and solos and stuff like that, and that was a big piece. And then Chris liked the Allman Brothers and slide guitar, and so like all these pieces just start to come together. Mm-hmm. And it's this blender of stuff that has like nothing to do with what you intended. It's just like this is what these people sound like. Yeah. And as much as it's like oh, they're trying to do this or they're trying to be a throwback thing. I think we know where our limits are. Like, we want to be a band that plays live music, if that makes sense. And yeah. we, our records want to have live-ish instrumentation on them. But past that, I don't think are any of those things that people sort of say about us. And that's what let it, lets us do something like a Shine a Light on Me Brother, where it's like, What's just something we don't have in the catalog? What's something we mm-hmm. haven't done before? I'm not really interested in like, oh, we need to come up with something that totally sounds like us again. And then even that record, I'm like, all right, let's just blow up the whole idea of what we think a record is because we've been, you know, there's the 6-8 ballad song, there's like the rock yeah. and roll song, <laughs> there's this or this, that. And really, I feel like we've written almost the same song like three or four times and we're getting to the best versions of those things, but what that means is we need to now blow up everything, right? Yeah. Now we need to blow up the whole thing because if we go to play a rock and roll song in our set, I don't think it's going to get better than Don't Let Me Go. I don't think we're going to write a better sort of Zeppelin-esque like, riff fucking rock and roll song than that. And if we do, we're going to fail at it. So <laughs> what's the thing we don't have? Like, I, We yeah, don't yeah, need yeah. that anymore. It's over, you know? We're yeah. not going to have a better version of a lot of things that we yeah. play. But that's good. That means we need to create something new and blow it all up and go, okay, what's the next thing? So, I agree. And that's why, quick segue there, this next album I think is going to be really cool for people to listen to because I feel like there's a lot of different flavors uh, on the album, like a shine of the light on my brothers, kind of like the gospel-y up track where like every day is kind of the funky thing and desert sun has its own 
uh, kind of singer songwriter acoustic thing. And, uh, and then even moving, I, I know nobody's heard these songs yet, but I'm kind of just talking about them, but like, there's some songs on the, on the album that I feel like are sounds that we haven't really approached before that. I don't know that are fun to hear back and be like, Oh cool. This is like a fresh style without departing from what Robert John and the wreck is. Yeah. And I, and I feel like any, anything that we do is going to sound like us too. And that's, that's kind of a, a neat thought. Um, like we, you know, we, over the years we've, we've been dialing back how many covers we put in our live set. And, uh, for now, even in our like bar sets and stuff that we do that are three, four hours long, we might do two covers maybe. Like, I feel like we've gone full shows before where we haven't played one cover at all. And it's great. Or one even, instrumental. We're like yeah. getting away from instrumentals too. Yeah. There's too many songs. And, uh, but even the covers that we do, like we don't, we don't do them the same way that they were done on the record or like, we don't do it, you know, totally to how the original was or, or anything like that. Like we're all, we're, we're always going to make it our own and it's always going to sound like us and we're always going to stretch it and push it and see where it goes because we're all super excited about it. Almost falling completely apart <laughs> and like being exciting and visceral. And like, that's what I feel like we tried to, you know, do that's what we all love to do in, in this band so it's been funny i've been reading some of the track by track uh reviews of the record yeah and there's some tracks that are just like polarizing oh, yeah. i read one review of something there's a song called anna maria that even in the band has is very polarizing right yeah. like <laughs> i don't think you're ever gonna hear it live because it's that polarizing which is fine unless you guys love it then we have to play it but uh <laughs> <laughs> I read one review and they're like, this is my favorite song on the record. And then I read another <laughs> review and it was like, this, I don't really get this song or why it's here. Yeah. Upon second listen, I kind of got it. There's some cool backgrounds, but uh, I guess it was cool. <laughs> so there's definitely stuff. And that's a good thing, right? Like it means yeah. we're getting out of our fucking box. But uh, at the same time, you know, it's like, well, <laughs> like, I don't care. Well, I don't care in the sense that we tried to make our best version of that thing that we possibly could with the time given her all the constraints. Right. And it is just what it is. And if people hate it, we're not going to play it. Like that's the, <laughs> we, we can just not play it live, you know, mm-hmm. and you can press that skip button. Like the Beatles aren't going to play, uh, <laughs> the Ravi Shankar song, you know, unless they did. And I don't know, but it doesn't sound like something they do. <laughs> That's why the Beatles just made like four studio albums and then never played any of it live because they couldn't. They're like, we're just going to make ourselves look bad. So, Uh, that's funny. Yeah. But yeah, even, I mean, even just listening back to higher, I mean, we're going on tour, so I'm going back and prepping stuff. And I, I reprepped like some stuff off, off higher and just like listening to higher to last light to shine a light. You can kind of hear that we're trying to, move the you know get those new sounds without i don't know coming up with another like cold night like we have cold night like andrew said like we don't need to do another like crazy cold night thing like that but there maybe there's something that's along that lines it's a a little different i don't know there was there's actually real quick i don't want to drag on too long we did write one song that we called 
Steal Me Dan because it sounded like a Steely Dan song. It wasn't, it didn't, it wasn't any of the sort of Steely Dan sort of like chords or anything, but <laughs> man, that song was so cool. And if you guys heard the demo, it's still, I feel like it still has the Robert John and the Reg vibe, but you hear it and you're like, okay, this is definitely like a new sort of, yeah. I don't that know. It's in a totally different category. That song's not even on the record, by the way. That song might yeah. be on the next record, but, uh, <laughs> I, wanna, I just want to do that one just as an instrumental, man. Like, fuck it. Let's just do an instrumental record. I, no, that's yeah, easy to write a song to. Yeah. It's very Eagles and very Steely Dan. It's like Eagles with more changes than the Eagles would write. Exactly. Anyways, we're excited to play some new goddamn music, I guess, is what we're saying. We are. That's not even what this next record is. That's the problem with going on tour. It's like we're already bored of this record. We've played it a million times. <laughs> And you guys haven't even seen Last Light live yet, so we have to try yeah. to cram two records into one tour. Uh, we're excited to be out there, too. We leave next week. We said, Jesus Christ, that's yeah. crazy to even say. Yep. Um, anyways. We leave in our, 10 days. Our new record is out on September 3rd. If you pre-ordered, there's still time to pre-order. Um, you'll probably get your package next week. That's probably when we're sending them out. Whenever we get... Uh, t-shirts in which is very soon yeah we're probably just gonna send the packages out we don't care if people get the album early especially if you pre-order that's the benefit of pre-ordering yes uh we did find out vinyl is a little bit delayed uh that should only cause issues for people in the states i'm sorry people in the states um there is still a chance that you might get it by september 3rd but um yeah, uh, the vinyl is a little bit delayed. We will have vinyl for both of our tours coming up, um, and the European orders shouldn't be affected, but the pre-orders in the States may be a couple days late on that, so we're sorry about that. <laughs> I love Bruce. Arg. <laughs> Bruce, we'll just text you the record. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> you can get it right now if you want it. <laughs> Bruce will hand deliver it to you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so thank you for your patience with that. Obviously, uh, everything's been crazy with all that sort of stuff. And we put in our order a while ago, so um, it shouldn't be super, super late at just a couple days for anybody in the States. That's just final. Pre-order packages are getting packed. They're going to go out uh, probably by this weekend. <laughs> um, you can still pre-order the album. You can still pre-order the vinyl. There's some packages on our, on our website. Um, and then also we're headed to Europe, uh, a week from Thursday. All of those dates are listed online. We're going to be in Germany, uh, the Netherlands, Sweden, the UK, uh, France and Belgium, and maybe some other places that I didn't name, but yeah, we'll be there for about a month and then we're back. We're going to be touring the States as well. We're doing the Midwest and the South. Those dates are all posted on our website as well. Um, and we are super excited to, uh, you know, get some more traction in the States because we've been doing a lot of stuff in Europe. So it's nice to, uh, to be in the, the mainland where we're from for a little bit. Um, so the new album's coming out. Tours are coming up. We're going to have new merch. We're going to have a lot of other cool announcements coming up. There's some other special things that are coming up that we uh, can't talk about yet, but um, you guys will figure out pretty soon. Um, and then we're just excited to finish off the year strong. And, um, yeah, thank you, everybody, for your support so far with your pre-orders. And, uh, yeah, continue yeah. to spread the word. 
buy a ticket, come see us live if you can. Um, yeah, we just appreciate the support and love our fans. So we can't wait to see you guys. It's been too long. It's been entirely too long. Make sure to click all the links in the description below for all y'all listening on uh, Spotify and Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, be good to each other out there and get wrecked.